You're listening to Your Jewish Life, Your Way with Karen Cinnamon, the podcast that explores what it feels like to be Jewish or Jewish in 2022. On the show, we divulge all of the secrets and know-how to being confident in celebrating and living your Jewish life, your way, with easy, simple ways to embrace your mishpacha through the traditions and rituals you've been dying to learn more about. So save your kvetching, we are talking less Jewish guilt and more Jewish joy here on out. Yalla, forget about the right and wrong ways to be Jewish. It's time to create a Jewish life you love living. Welcome to today's episode. It is so good to have you with me. I love creating these podcasts. I hope they give you as much joy to listen to as they give me to create. It is such a wonderful feeling to have the opportunity to bring really diverse, interesting conversations to the table and also build a community of podcast listeners. I'd love to hear from you. If you have anything to say about the podcast or just you want to talk to me in general, drop me a DM on Instagram at Your Jewish Life and uh, talk to me. I want to hear from you. Let me know what you think of today's episode. I met my guest today, Felicity Spector, in Tel Aviv. What a great way to start a friendship. We met in Ben Gurion Airport um, earlier this year when we arrived together on the same flight, um, but we didn't know we were on the same flight. We met in Ben Gurion Airport on the ground together with the lovely Sabrina, who also flew in from London. And we met as we were going into the Jews Talk Justice program by the Tel Aviv Institute. We were invited along with about around 20, 30 other influencers from around the world to come together and learn new strategies for how to stand up for Jews online, build community, and all sorts of other delicious things that happen during the week. Delicious, I'm not using accidentally because Felicity herself is a food influencer, but she's actually an accidental food influencer. She didn't intend to ever be some big foodie Instagrammer, uh, influencer certainly, and actually it's not her her main thing. She is a high end news producer by day, And then after hours, she's a London foodie influencer. And so I wanted to talk to her on the podcast about one of the most joyous of Jewish topics, food. We had a great conversation. We talked about how she actually became a food influencer completely by accident. So if you're thinking of starting an Instagram account for influence or for business or for leverage or for anything like that, this is a great episode for you. We also talked a lot about how Jewish food helped her reconnect with her Jewish identity. So if you're also looking to potentially reconnect with elements of your Jewishness, today's a great episode for you as well. We also talked about why food is an amazing way to make friends and forge new connections. You'll hear how Felicity has met some of her best friends in adulthood through food. And you'll also find out why it's never too late to start baking your own challah. We talked a lot about challah as well. We had it, we had a good time. So Jewish recipes are plenty, all sorts of good stuff coming today with Felicity Spector. So let's dive in. Welcome Felicity. It's good to see you. What is it? It's been a few weeks now since we were fortunate enough to hang out together in Tel Aviv. I know, that was an amazing trip, wasn't it? What a trip. Forever forever will bond us, don't you think? (laughs) Definitely. So of course I wanted to invite you on the podcast selfishly just to continue our lovely relationship that that started in Tel Aviv. I was lucky enough to meet Felicity on the Jews Talk Justice trip 
and we shared some some special moments over the few days and obviously I got to discover Felicity's obsession is that a fair word with food we had a sort of set cuisine that we were meant to eat well we were taken care of shall we say during these few days but but Felicity and also Jake Cohen they sort of darted out trying out all the different different flavors of Tel Aviv I think it I think it's fair to call it an obsession <laughs> well I couldn't go all that way and then not go to all my favorite places that's all I could say <laughs> and what, what do you love about what is it about food that, that gets you excited partly because I'm quite greedy obviously um, but also <laughs> and, and I just enjoy it I enjoy the sharing aspect of it I, I don't have much family anymore um my parents sadly passed away and I don't um, you know, have an immediate family of my own. So it's, it's, it's a way of connecting with people, really, and meeting up. All, all the people I, I have as friends at the moment are people I met through Instagram around food. A very inclusive and very sort of welcoming in the food community, I've discovered. It's a really nice space, usually very positive. If I ever wanted a social life, this is how I found it, I guess. And it's also just a really nice way of connecting with all sorts of different people. And you have a shared enjoyment of, of food or a particular cuisine or something like that and, and, and you might come from all sorts of different backgrounds and, and you might never have met otherwise but it, and it's been really exciting sort of just discovering lots of new people and, and lots of new places and you know just simply through food. I love that because as you say it is about sharing it, it sort of enhances the joy and you know if you eat a delicious meal on your own you're not going to enjoy it half as much as if you share it or share the experience with someone else and sort of fits into to sort of that aspect of Jewish culture and Jewish joy about togetherness and getting together and and I love oh, it. and food obviously as well and I mean, food. Jewish, you know food's never very far from your thoughts is it really I mean I have to say and as it's sort of I know it's not your sort of main main career it's it's this very um, exciting it's not a side hustle it's a side adventure I don't know how would you frame it it's become a big part of your identity yeah it's interesting actually because everyone always asks for how did you get involved with food and I don't I couldn't really remember but um because I I'm that's not my job at all I, I mean people think it's my job that I have this Instagram I'm like is that was a job. I mean some people <laughs> can, do I don't you knock can, you can live in London I mean, some uh, people on an do. Instagram account. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure I don't I mean obviously good for people who manage it but I'm, I'm quite glad that it's just a hobby for me because I think I'd find it quite stressful if it was a space where I had to make money or sort of get advertising or something I, I wouldn't enjoy it as much as it is which sort of now it doesn't matter if the Instagram algorithm doesn't show it to as many people as normal who cares it's, it's just a post of some cake you know it doesn't bother me yeah. whereas I think a lot of people feel under a lot of pressure um if if it's their income but but for me it's just been quite joyful because my job is quite can be quite depressing and it's been quite exhausting recently over the last few years I, I work in international news so you can imagine that's not been the most uplifting world to be among I mean I love my job but it's not uh, you know it doesn't fill you with joy many days mm. so it's nice just to go and bake a cake or you know sort of meet someone for dinner or something like that and you know during the lockdowns when you couldn't go out I was coming into work because we couldn't work from home but it, it was you know suddenly had to sit at home with a food delivery um, I was very fortunate to be sent lots of these food deliveries by restaurants because um, I know lots of the chefs and they wanted me to try them but you know it was a bit soulless kind of as yes. you say 
sitting there with with a tray in front of my <laughs> iPad of watching telly every night. And did you manage to make um, them look Instagrammable? Those trays. I did. Yeah, I got up because I had because I, I was out at work every day in the lockdowns. Um, I wasn't getting home till sort of you know after nine o'clock when it was dark. So I had to get up and make these meals before I left for work in the morning. Oh my god! So I had to make my dinner at seven thirty in the morning to get daylight photographs of the thing and then shove it back into the microwave when I actually wanted to eat it several <laughs> hours later. But that does sound stressful. But yeah, at least it, it was quite it stressful. Yeah. There was a couple of times I had to get up at five thirty in the morning because they were really complicated kits to put together, and I was like, "This is not normal." <laughs> I must like, and I must say, I know with your with your main career, it's it's you know you're a writer, but you everyone listening must check out Felicity Spector on Instagram. Of course, you probably are checking it out as we speak. But if not, jump on, and you'll see you've got such an eye for design and beautiful photography. But I'm amazed that it's all just sort of evolved, really sort of step by step through this adventure of, of food and yeah it's, becoming it's a very food organic. influencer yeah yeah it's very organic because I had I didn't set out to kind of create a an influencer account or anything like that at all I mean that's not my primary interest at all I mean that's you know I don't really care whether it's got millions of you know mm. I don't chase followers or likes or anything like that because it's not what that's not what it's for it's been primarily to meet people but also it's been an amazing way of sharing lots of experiences and, and, and charity things that we've been involved with. Um, I was, my friend Tim um, has been behind the very successful Cook for Ukraine um, charity that was set up by two good friends of mine, um, Olya Hercules and Alyssa Tomoshkina. Um, and he used his experience setting up um, Cook for Syria charity, which um, raised a hell of a lot of money for, uh, for UNICEF work with children caught up in the Syrian war. And those kind of things have been primarily shared through Instagram and they've raised millions of pounds, which is incredible, um, just through something which people can, anyone can take part in. You don't have to be anywhere special. You don't have to be anyone. You don't have to have a restaurant. But you can help support a cause, which is, is, is really exciting and opportunity for good to be done because people talk about the damage that social media does and I'm sure there's a lot of bad things that happen but the space I've been involved with has been pretty universally positive and it sounds like in the way you're framing it and something I've never thought about before it's a real leveler um you know you 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 haven't got food experience baking experience or inside this community and you very naturally sort of entered it came in have made lots of friends become become a food influencer it's such an odd word influencer but I guess that's the best it way is, to describe it? you and <laughs> you've said several times that you've met friends through food I know a lot of people listening would like to know how do you meet friends through food <laughs> You make new friends, well, rather. Yeah, I mean, food. I didn't. It was very difficult. I mean, I, I, I'm quite, you know, I've been in my job for 33 years now. So a lot of the friends I had when I joined the company have left ages ago. Um, and a lot of all my friends from university, obviously, they, you know, they were married. Had most of them had children, moved away to live somewhere where they could have a bigger house and so on. Um, I went to university in the states, so I don't, have, you know, the friends from there all over the place, mostly in America. So I, I was like really searching for, for friends to meet up with in the evenings and you know go out for dinner or something it was really hard and then I joined Twitter originally before Instagram existed so this is and some years back then yeah sort of 10 years ago I can't remember now yeah. um and there were I just discovered that there were really friendly people around who were sort of very welcoming and not sort of cliquey mm. um and you could sort of see that there were a couple of people that I'd sort of I don't know come, come across somehow and at supper clubs and things I'd started going to a friend was organizing them and I'd sort of sat next to a couple of nice people and and then through them I sort of heard about food bloggers who were sort of 
down at a particular market on a Sunday and I'd message them and say, well, and they say, oh, come, come down. There's a group of us here. We're just buying a few things and trying them. And it was That's so nice, nice just to have, have these groups that were, because otherwise it's very hard to know where to meet people in London. And now, now people sometimes message me and say, you know, we know so-and-so in common or, you know, we're going, we're going for dinner here. Do you want to come along or something like that? Or you go to a group thing and then you sit next to someone. Um, it's, it's just really nice because it's quite a natural way to sort of, meet people without feeling it's forced mm. and because you have this food thing in common you can come I mean I've met some such nice people and they come I'd never have come across them otherwise you know really lovely people who are now really good friends I want to talk to you about obviously this being the Your Jewish Life Your Way podcast let's talk a little bit about your favorite Jewish food and obviously the infiltration well almost is is it is it fashionable now Israeli food in London is there a difference also between Jewish food and Israeli food can we talk about the restaurant scene and the influence of Jewish culture Israeli cuisine yeah what are you seeing with all that before the Telegraph um, changed their, or had less money for freelancers, I used to write some articles for the Telegraph food pages sort of five years ago or so. And I wrote some pieces for them. And I remember pitching an article on tahini about five or six years ago, and they thought it was a bit niche. Wow. And the end, I, did, I wrote it for the Jewish Chronicle. A woman ahead of her piece, time. <laughs> yeah, I did write a piece in 2015, I think it was, on Babka for the Telegraph. And like this, this oh, this, what's Babka? You know, it was like this new really? thing. Um, really? Yeah, yeah. And well, I, what are the I, thing, you know, what's the thing that you're talking about now that everyone's saying to you, what's that? Because <laughs> you obviously know, know what's I know, well, no, I mean, I just, I just think it's a lot of these, a lot of these restaurants sort of Middle Eastern or Israeli in, in style um, are just places which people which are quite popular with, as you say without people necessarily knowing that that's what that it's Israeli food and it's obviously Israeli food is a loaded term and lots of people mm. think it's not there's no such thing and it, mm. it's borrowed or some people claim it's stolen from different cultures but it's you know it, there's no one cuisine but some places who do um, sort of a more Ashkenazi style wouldn't call themselves Israeli, would they? I mean, they're those exactly. sort of appetizing exactly. places and bagels and things like that. So you can't find bagels I in Jerusalem. Yeah, Jerusalem. Israeli the, to me the Western is style. experimental. I mean, what I love about Tel Aviv cuisine actually in Tel Aviv is the fact that people have immigrated to Israel from all over the world and it is literally mm. that melting pot of incredible flavors yeah, yeah and that's yeah. what I associate with Israel exciting and absolutely and, and very fresh and there's a lot of vegetable food which is very you know sort of I don't want to say fashionable because it's also very important for everyone to be eating more sort of veg focused um, food for the planet and so on so it's it, it's the right moment for that to be something which everyone should embrace um, and you know lots of really beautiful sauces and you know, very exciting flavors together that people might not have come across and it's it's not heavy it's not sort of fatty you know it, or it can be <laughs> it's not much but it's it, you know it's it's something which i think offers something even to people who don't think that they like that kind of cuisine because it's so approachable i think it's not something which um you know there'd be something on the menu there would be something which everyone could sort of you know find that they actually enjoyed even if they'd not heard of it before and do you have a favorite jewish restaurant israeli restaurant in london new york tel aviv when you think of you know your oh. ideal meal out in that genre, I know. where would you go <laughs> oh gosh i don't know i mean i like like last night at the honeys they, they do this kind of um i said you can get all the starters together and then you get the main and, and oh, like and a big you just get this, 
yeah you get this huge mezze table sort of covered in all these different dishes oh, and stuff and it's fine. so lovely it's so lovely and you just think oh this yeah. is great but I like all that they're, they're, I mean I don't really want to choose between them in a way because just give me a bowl of tahini and I'm there you know, it's, it's like <laughs> I'm, I'm really excited by just amazingly delicious roasted vegetables and a load of hummus yeah it's a nice laffa bread or something I, I'm more of an Ashkenazi taste when it comes to desserts I have to say I like a big lump of New York cheesecake or <laughs> one of the nice honey and co cakes so let's rewind all the way back to your childhood. I want to know how, how, how did Judaism play a role in your life growing up? And, you know, were you a foodie? I mean, two separate questions, I suppose. Well, food... No, there wasn't such thing. I mean, I grew up in Birmingham in the 1970s. There was definitely no such thing as being a foodie. <laughs> and there was no I honey mean, and co in Birmingham in the 70s. There was no Jewish. Sure. There was, I mean, <laughs> You couldn't even buy bagels in Birmingham. There was literally nothing. There was this one really terrible Jewish delicatessen. For our international audience, can you describe Birmingham and England, not Birmingham, Alabama? Um, it, it's twinned with Cleveland. I think that's all you need to know. <laughs> no, not that I'm dissing Cleveland. I'm sure it's lovely. Um, I've only been through it. Uh, it's very industrial. It's an industrial. And in the 1970s, it was, um, it's, it's quite a working class city, manufacturing industry. Um, Lots of housing estates, very mixed, which was exciting. Lots of uh, diversity. It's uh, one of the most uh, ethnically diverse cities, I think, in the country. Um, and there was a lot of um, really nice, um, you know, different restaurants in Indian and Pakistani, Bangladeshi. Um, yeah, they're famous for their Baltis. Yeah, they are. Right? Fortunately, I'm allergic to chili, so I could never try them. But um, <laughs> but yeah, it was a very vibrant sort of uh, community from the Indian Bangladeshi um, diaspora. Very big West Indian community as well. Um, in places feel, like Handsworth and stuff. Did you feel that you were ha- you had a Jewish upbringing? Was did Judaism play a role in your life growing up? Would you say? I wouldn't say massively. I mean, it is in, in some ways. So my parents weren't observant at all. Um, my dad had been brought up in a very observant family. His parents were Ukrainian Jews who came over the turn of the century. His mother never learned English. I think they just spoke Yiddish at home. Um, and my dad, he found that, I think, quite um, repressive. I wouldn't be wrong in saying that. Yeah, so I can understand. He, he was also a communist. Um, and, and after the war, he was in the forces during the war. And then uh, when he met my mum after the war, and she hadn't been brought up in a very religious household at all. He just sort of thought, oh, God, I don't have to do this anymore. So he just dropped all of it. We didn't observe any Jewish holidays. We had a Christmas tree. He loved a Christmas tree because he'd never had one. He loved it. It was his favourite thing was to decorate it with a tinsel. He just thought it was lovely. Oh. He was like a child decorating. And- you know, His favourite thing was to get all the ornaments down and pin them up and so on. There was no Christian aspect to it, but he liked all those sort the decorations. of decorations. Yeah, yeah. And do you think your parents felt that they wanted to pass the traditions from generation to generation or that just didn't come into it? They were living no, their Birmingham not life. not at all. They went, yeah, we didn't. I mean, so I went to Jewish school, which sounds like a contradiction, but yes, I, I learned to read. Yeah, I learned to read when I was about two. Um, I was quite a sort of child prodigy sort of thing. Not that they uh, sort of Learned to read English when you were two. Yeah. Wow. And the only school, Goodness by the time me. I was sort of five, my, my mum was on the local council and it was, she wanted me to be able to go to school at that point because it would, you know, there was, it would be easier for childcare. And the Jewish, I was eligible to go to the King David's, which was the Jewish, local Jewish school. And they, they took me at five, whereas if I'd gone to the other local primary, I would have had to have waited till I was seven. So I went to King David's yeah. only for like two years and then I went to the state primary. And and at home there were no festivals celebrated or Shabbat. No, dinners. we didn't do 
no unless we went to my dad's relatives was were still very religious so if they if we went to see them or they like when like their children had bar mitzvahs so we went to those and the only time we ever went to shul was when we was with them for some one of their services once or twice and I didn't yes. have a bar mitzvah no my brothers weren't bar mitzvahs either yes. and we didn't like my mum occasionally made chopped liver or something and she liked to eat matzah um but but we didn't have Friday night dinners or do any special any of the Jewish holidays at all which I, and I think is a bit sad because like it would have been quite nice but that, you know it wasn't their thing yeah so when did you start leaning into your identity and feeling you know we talk you know we talk on this podcast your Jewish life your way let's mm. talk a bit about your Jewish life your way because I guess you sort of had to piece piece it bit by bit the bits that you liked or <laughs> I tried to go to Habonim a few times when I was a teenager because I thought it sounded quite cool and my parents were very left-wing so it was more of a political household. I used to go to the young, young socialist meetings and youth CND, for, you know, from the age of about 12. And then I discovered there was Habanim, which is this sort of left-wing Jewish youth organisation. I thought, oh, that sounds quite cool. So I went to that a few times, but I did feel a little bit like left out because I didn't know any of the, that they, they'd all be going to these sure. Jewish groups for a long time. And I sort of felt a bit like, oh, I don't really, I don't really feel qualified to be a member of this. So I went a few times and it wasn't quite the right thing. And then when I was at university, I was I did do some work with the Union of Jewish Students because at the time there was this big campaign to get Jews uh, the ability to leave Russia. It was a campaign for Soviet Jews, and um, we did a lot of work with them. I remember going on some protests in Paris. I can't remember why we were in Paris. I think there was some Russian delegation who was being welcomed there, and we sort of went and turned up outside with with loads of protest stuff. And then we went to Moscow and tried to get some material to a family. We met a Jewish family who were trying to get their son uh, the ability to go to America to study. And then when I was back in England, we got we arranged this meeting with the Soviet um, consul who came to speak. And we patched him through to this Jewish family and said, tell them why they can't have a visa in front of a huge crowd and everything. And he, he said he can have a visa. And so this kid got a visa anyway. So that kind of thing I did. That was quite exciting being involved in that. And that was the first sort of, I guess, overtly Jewish organisation mm. I've been involved with, apart from the. So this was sort you know, of the odd, the odd few bits and pieces. So again, in terms of of your Jewish identity, did it did it start to, did you start to be curious about being more incorporating more traditions, or was it just yeah, a I cultural did, thing, or what did you? feel? It was probably cultural. I mean, I did visit Israel at that. Um, I think I was about eighteen or something. Eventually, I had, my parents hadn't. Had never been because they we didn't fly we didn't have the money to fly to place so we never went on holiday on an airplane so they'd never been there um but I went I had a friend my friend Naomi had moved to a place just outside um Haifa um and I went to visit her and I really I did enjoy it I remember going and getting super lost most of the time <laughs> sort of and I decided I didn't like falafel I don't know why I didn't oh! even try it I <laughs> think I'd had some either. horrible well and now I love them but then I, I think I just had some sort of supermarket I was oh no I'm not yes. eating that then when I got back everyone was like outraged how could you go to Israel and not eat falafel I was like I don't like them but now of course I'm like oh, it's so stupid yes but yes but yeah I did, I really culinary yeah. um adventures in, in in Israel with falafel. I mean we didn't have we had no money and I was staying with a friend who was like a student so I think we yes. just I just remember eating tub, tubs of hummus from the supermarket sitting on her doorstep with some bread or something it wasn't very culinary <laughs> exciting but you know it was it was it was really you know and again it was February and I thought it would be hot because it was Israel and I'd gone like packed t-shirts and it was absolutely freezing so well, we had, that, I had a lot to learn we had that problem in March when we just came back we were both just oh, there in March I and I packed I think I did, summer I wardrobe 
I wear I wore the same outfit practically every day and it was freezing raining anyway we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with Felicity just want to interrupt this episode to tell you about my community smashing life it's an incredible place to connect with like-minded jewish women share jewish culture and joy and learn jewish rituals that will fill your life with purpose we've got master classes we've got social events online and in real life we've got discounts we do zoom shabbats we have a conversion club if you're in the process of converting but most importantly we enable you to create deep friendship and connection with with Jewish women both in your area and internationally. Have a listen to what Amy from London has to say. Through Smashing Life, I have met other Jewish women in my part of London and I've connected with them online and in person and it's been wonderful. Thank you, Smashing Life. So if you're ready to be part of a Jewish community that supports one another, that share our passions together to achieve big goals and just have a really, really good time, why don't you join Smashing Life today? Just head to smashinglife.club. That's smashinglife.club. I can't wait to see you in the club and welcome you with open arms. So I'm here with Felicity Spector and I am trying to delve into her Jewish life and fit all the pieces together to, to where she is today, which is a food influencer, big in the London Jewish scene and internationally. And Felicity and I met in Tel Aviv just a couple of months ago. We've been Instagram friends, but like a lot of Felicity's Instagram friends, she meets them in real life. She's one of those people that <laughs> manages to meet people in real life, mainly through food. And in a way, I suppose that was what brought you to the Jews Talk Justice program was the food influencer account. So it's just wow what an amazing well I have to say it's, Jake, it, it is Jake Cohen in a way because Jake Jake is someone who's so excited about his Jewish identity and expressing it through food that he's kind of and, that, and his book is amazing I mean everyone who hasn't got Jake Cohen's it's book, amazing we'll it's, link it's to it in the show notes. I, I, yeah, yeah I just flicking I, through it I last baked night everything I think I've gone through everything in it that's not meat don't cook meat and fish but everything else I think I've pretty much made now and it's it's delicious. Everything is delicious. And he's so he's such a lovely guy. We met in London a few years ago when he came over, and obviously we had this trip together. And he's he's an amazing guy. And he yeah. is somebody who, again, I think he said on podcasts that he 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 was never, you know, particularly celebratory of his Jewish identity earlier in his life. But he came to it through food and realised, and through that, how exciting the rest of, of Judaism was. And it's almost like a gateway. And I think that's a similar thing to the. So I've read, you know, I love the food. I've always liked Jewish food. I mean, we did have some when I was growing up. You know, my mum, as I said, used to make some. And from there, you can then sort of explore more deeply other aspects of of Judaism. And I wanted to write a piece before Ukraine happened. I don't know whether I can get it done now. I wanted to write a piece about exploring some of that for the Jewish Chronicle. I'll see if I can get it going again. Um, Simply through things like watching these colour braiding videos. And I do my own now. Um, I'd never made a colour before. Before um, when? Before lockdown? Well, about, uh, well, it wasn't even lockdown. I mean, I, I had no time in lockdown. I was always at work. Yes, you um, were, yes. Yeah, I was the one person who was you never were, at home. Yeah, the, you remember the rise of Hala Bakers with everyone yeah, at home. Yeah, the, I can't it, remember when, when I did you get into it? it. Just, yeah, I suppose you just tried it. Yeah, I mean, I've always enjoyed this. I think I tried making one a couple of years ago for Rosh Hashanah, and it was I've got a, a disaster. You. How did it? How did it make you feel? Uh, baking your first challah because I think again that's a great thing to do if you're struggling to feel authentically Jewish or trying to well, I th- 
I have this Jewish friend who years ago, she had this, um, she's a, she trained as a chef for a while. She's gone back to her original job now, but she, for a while she worked as a chef. But to make money while she was training, she used to host supper clubs. And this is when supper clubs were a new thing. This is about 10 years ago. Um, and she hosted other people's supper clubs in her house to, and, and helped prepare it and everything and made, you know, sort of had some of the, the money from it to, to sort of help fund her studies. Um, and then she did her own supper club for a while on it called um, Friday Night Dinner, although it was on a Sunday night. Um, and they made challah. And I was like, you can make it. Like I'd never even thought about that people wow, made it. You just went to Brzezinski's. Like I'd had it. I used to go to Brzezinski's and buy bagels all the time. And then if it was a Friday, I'd buy some challah because I really like it. It never even occurred to me that you could actually make it. I don't know why. I never made bread. Yeah. Um, I was like, oh, but I didn't make. I didn't. I still didn't feel very confident in the. I never made bread, and then I think I tried making it for some. I can't even remember why, but I tried making it for for this Rosh Hashanah dinner, and I was like, oh, this is. And I don't think I did. I, I tried to use an American recipe, and they often don't work well in the British context because the yeast is different, and it was a bit. It was a bit heavy, let's say. But it was still quite nice, and I was quite so pleased that I'd actually made something. And then I How got. How did it make you feel? I just want to start there for a minute because I just think yeah. again, it's such. What I love doing with this show is 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 you know encouraging the little the little things that are actually the big things like making a challah, yeah, that yeah. we've been doing for centuries. This beautiful tasting bread, and as yeah. you say, it didn't turn out perfectly like your Insta, like your Instagram creations now, but it must have been it must have been a moment for you. It was. It was because as I said, it never occurred to me that you could make your own. I don't know why, yeah. and it's such a kind of. I don't want to call it a, yeah a tradition that yes, loads of families yeah, do every yeah. week and so on and you know I just yes. have a family but it was it was it, to be just shared went, yeah. yeah yeah absolutely and you sort of think oh you can feel part of something suddenly yeah I and as I say I love that and it and it is a it is a gateway into other aspects of Jewish culture because then you start reading about it and you think why is it round on New Year and you know those sort of things and it's like and then you read about why braiding it is a thing and like it's supposed to be contemplation and and then no, you, you could explore any any anything really. And you start. I started reading all sorts of different, um, you know, from the My Jewish Learning portal and things. Actually, you just click on other things within it. And you think, oh, what's this? This Torah portion today. Oh, interesting. I mean, I'm not allowed to particularly sit there and read through the Torah, but it, sometimes it's nice to, nice to do that, and it's interesting. And so, you know, what what other things would you recommend people might try to to cook or bake to to feel? more in touch with their Jewish identity or Jewish culture or just because like you say it's such a great gateway for people who maybe feel like oh I don't do anything or I don't you know anything yeah. else come to mind aside well, just I mean yeah I mean even with I mean with I mean I love my carbs so Passover is not my favorite time of year yeah but we're actually, recording this we, during Passover <laughs> I know and I, I don't keep kosher so apologies to all those as I tuck into my sandwich um but but, but reading about the the hamets and and how and all the recipes that people come up with with the matzahs and so on or with sort of you know almond flour or something and it's just really interesting and there's some lovely stories behind different people's families and what they make and what they share around their table and things so I think pretty much anything that you want to make I mean if you want to make you know an Iraqi dish you've never heard of that a Jewish website has posted about sometimes these the stories behind them so there there, there are places like the the Jewish Food Society, I met the founder of it when we were in Tel Aviv, um, but they're based in New York. And they have, they're, primarily they're about stories as well as the recipes, but they they tell the stories of people's families and where they came from originally and, and this recipe that's usually passed down. I mean, I, I have no recipe passed down, there's literally nothing. My grandparents apparently were both terrible cooks. Um, my mum's recipes unfortunately got lost when she passed away, but they weren't particularly Jewish. 
Um, so I don't have any family recipes, so I'm always really a little bit sad about that, but always very intrigued by people who do and how, how lovely that must be to have these traditions. Mm. So it's nice to make other people's family that. traditions as well. And, and mm. then you, you can share the, the things that they have found valuable in their lives. That's lovely. But I, you know, I love baking, so I really enjoyed making uh, babkas and um, rugelach and things like that because it's, you know, that, they're quite um, iconic things which I've always enjoyed and it's really lovely being able to actually try and make them as well. And actually... Jake's cookbook is a great place to start if anyone's thinking about recipes because he he puts twists on on you know traditional foods but they still feel very Jewish and it's just he has so yeah, much fun yeah. with his recipes so we'll definitely yeah. link, link link um his book in the show notes anyone else you'd like to think would be a great place for people to you know bake make bake start Jewish food Jewish cooking at home well I mean there is the the Nosha as well which is the Jewish um Jewish at Jewish food on Instagram and, mm. and they again mm. they have a lot of different recipes and stuff um and you, it's just quite exciting just to search I mean obviously you could make like you know there aren't they're not specifically um I mean Jewish recipes but Uri Shaft who is uh, an amazing baker in Tel Aviv who has the Lechamim bakery um and he's got this book called Breaking Breads which um he's he's very reliable it's very it's, it's almost scientific but he's very good and it, they won't go wrong basically if you follow the instructions they're a bit long-winded but it's worth doing um and his recipes are really the classic things the babkas the challah the you know different cakes and things and i think that he that that's a, a good place to go if you want to have some you know sort of the classic things uh to learn um yeah so yeah. all those and resources so many resources out there now that's the exciting thing about instagram is that you can look for things and, and try and make them. I mean, some of the bloggers don't necessarily test their stuff as well as some of the more established chefs, shall I say. So they might not work straight away, but it's only flour and water. It's not the end of the world. If it doesn't go lovely, right. Yeah, and what's lovely about social media is you see what's possible and it doesn't have to be like how your grandmother made it or in Felicity's case, she doesn't have those family recipes. So she's, you know, got this wonderful array of so, I mean, gosh, we are overwhelmed with, with the choice and what to make. So um, yeah and it should be about sharing and having fun rather than trying to get it perfect you know I mean there are people who get yes. it you know, I follow some pastry chefs who are like Cedric Grolet or someone who's like his stuff is just ridiculously amazing but you know that's his craft and he's one of the best people in the world so you're obviously not going to make anything that looks like his stuff so sometimes people are put off by the kind of intimidation of perfection oh, yes oh, but yes. it's it's a loaf of bread you know what I mean it's like yeah the same goes nice, for being Jewish <laughs> people are put <laughs> off because they think they're doing things wrong no seriously like oh, yeah, I might make absolutely. I might not braid the challah right or it might taste really bad or you know I just think it's a good it's a good it's a good parallel <laughs> I mean I was practice I practice on pairs of tights with the braiding because I can't remember the, which way it <laughs> that's goes brilliant you practice and you tie some tights together and then you just like okay that, and then you could if it goes wrong you can start again which this you can't is, do with the bread because it's stuck together by then <laughs> this is a great Jewish hack I love it <laughs> <laughs> have you got any more Jewish life hacks or you know anything along that way I think way, that's fantastic one the rest will remain be... secret <laughs> so you know obviously Judaism plays a part in your life or Jewishness or however you want to frame it but what does what does being a Jewish woman what does being Jewish mean to you well actually I mean there is there is this whole as I said I've really enjoyed exploring more of, more about Jewish um 
culture and tradition and the, you know, the, the religious side. I mean, I'm not a particularly, I'm a secular person. I don't, I, you know, I do observe some of the Jewish holidays, like everybody picks and chooses, don't they? I, I would fast on Yom Kippur and I, <laughs> I do sort of wake up and say the Wadani and so on. But it's, it's just um, something which I have found quite valuable, actually, and just sort of exploring more about what um, huge amount of resources that are now make it very accessible. There's this girl who's on um, TikTok called Miriam Azonin, I think her name is, um, who does the uh, Daf Yomi, and she, she's called Daf Reactions. And she goes through her the, every day, the, you know, the page of the Torah and so on, and does a comment, her commentary. And it's in a really engaging and modern style. And she's fantastic. And it's really fun to listen to. And she really makes it accessible. Um, and those are things I would, you know, I'm, I'm, it's just really interesting and sort of educational and stuff, I guess. Mm. Um, something which I hadn't done when growing up, um, which is fine, but it, there's no too, it's not never too late to come to these things and to explore them. And you don't have to then suddenly leap into becoming ultra religious person. But, you know, still goes, yeah, I, I people, but for a lot of people, it's a very deeply held faith. And I don't want to kind of make light of that at all by saying that it's just something you can dip in and out of. But I think if anything, the Jewish community is one where it allows people to come at it from wherever they want to come at it from. You don't have to sign up to everything or, or be nothing, you know, which I, is nice. It's very so unlike a lot of religions. Yeah. Yeah. And I really celebrate your whole approach to being Jewish and not that there is a right or a wrong way to be Jewish, but it's fair to say that you didn't have a particularly Jewish upbringing and you, you could have felt very intimidated by what's right, what's wrong. Am I allowed? Should I be this? How do I do that? And you've just, as you say, you've kind of gone, gone into it, taken, you know, and, and it's an ever-evolving identity yeah. and feeling. And... I mean, I've had a Star of David necklace for a long time, and now I wear it all the time. I mean, I've had one for years, but I thought, well, might as well wear it, because, like, why What made you want wouldn't... to wear it all the time? I think a lot of it was actually a reaction against anti-Semitism and thinking that a lot of people was... I was starting to read that people were feeling scared to identify themselves publicly as Jewish, and I thought, well, that's not on. I'm not ashamed of it. Like, why wouldn't I want to celebrate it? So I thought, well, this is one way you can just do it quietly without sort of you just go around saying, well, there's nothing, you know, I'm not, there's nothing to be ashamed of. That's all the reverse. It's something to be very excited about. And if you don't like it, well, that's your problem. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. And also, you know, having visited Israel quite a few times now, I mean, I have been before, but not as regularly, I guess. And then um, I've gone on some food trips, which always, best way to visit Israel is if I if you ever get the chance to go do a food tour then that's the way of really and really having a lovely time you might not fit into any of your clothes on the way back but yeah <laughs> we all have to sacrifice something yeah. um but also I feel that by celebrating the things that I love about Jewish culture and and that just shows the positive side of of Judaism and like look whatever you think about any of the other these other issues this is great Look at yes. this food. It's fantastic. I've baked yes. this cake. This is a lovely thing. Um, you could make it. Here you go. Here's the recipe. Um, or, you know, here's some ideas of how you can have a Seder or here's some, here's what we made for our Rosh Hashanah dinner. And, you know, this is the kind of thing that and people are really interested, actually, because a lot of people don't know anything about it. I mean, when I make some things, I bring them into work. I make some traditional Jewish things. Very few people have ever heard of them and they're quite interested. They're like, oh, what's Rugula? I've never heard of those oh Hamantash and what, what's that about Fantastic. and you know you, you, there's a little chance to explain what the you know why you eat Hamantash and on Purim and so on and what's Purim you know that really people don't know much about 
because people now I don't know what people study at school we, we didn't really do much religious education so it's probably the same nowadays you don't unless you're in that group you don't know much about it so it's and people are really interested it's nice to be able to share that Oh, fantastic. Well, we're, we're running out of time, but what I always like to do, and I think you'll be a great person to sit with, Felicity, is some quick fire, fun, fun questions, kind of this or that type of things. So are you ready for it? Sure. <laughs> Let's go. So matzo ball soup or bagels with smoked salmon or lots? Oh, definitely bagels. Yeah. Gosh, I love a bagel. <laughs> Even though I have veneers and I have to eat them with a knife and fork. <laughs> Oh, you're funny. Um, favorite Yiddish word? Um, schlep. <laughs> favorite Jewish food? However, you want to define Jewish food. Oh, so many. I'd have to I, say cheesecake. I was going to say tahini for you. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> she's tahini the tahini cheesecake. queen. Tahini cheesecake. <laughs> Again, I know you could pick a thousand, but what is for your favorite Jewish cookbook? If you oh, have to gosh, pick one, it's difficult. Oh, I think I'm going to go with Jake. I love Jake's book. Yeah, we it's love Jake. Really like it. Yay. Um, favorite Jewish holiday? Rosh Hashanah, because the food is the best. Smashing the glass or a big horror? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Smashing the glass. <laughs> um, NYC style bagels or Montreal style bagels? Oh, definitely New York. I mean, I love New York. I'm dying to go back. <laughs> hummus as an appetizer or a main dish oh appetizer then i can have even more stuff later <laughs> um a couple more foodie ones noodle kugel or potato kugel noodle kugel with raisins always Cheese. and go 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 with raisins no no, no. cinnamon <laughs> and raisins definitely cheese or potato blintzes cheese again with raisins don't shoot me <laughs> Jerusalem or Tel Aviv? Tel Aviv all, all the time. Much better food. A few questions now. What small thing is bringing you joy lately? Oh, I guess. Well, it's not small. I guess I don't know. The it's just community, really. Bake, you know, the baking community. And we had this sale recently for Ukraine, and it raised ten thousand pounds in two hours. And it was just wow. really lovely to see everybody so generous. Lots of people gave their time. They baked. People were queuing up hours before it started. My friends who organised it worked really hard to get it, um, you know, there were loads of us volunteering there. It was great. And that kind of thing is just very heartwarming when there's so many terrible things happening. It's wonderful. And to think that, I guess, the word got spread around through social media. Yeah, it? totally. We, we thought of it 10 days before it happened. Wow. Are you yeah. going to do a part two or? Well, I mean, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. What a success. And finally... If you could have Friday night dinner with any three people, any three Jewish people, dead or alive, who would they be and why? And if you want to ask, know, also, who would do the? Cooking? I would. <laughs> I mean, apart from obviously, it would be lovely to have my parents. But anyway, yeah. if I was doing it more, I would have Yotamata Lengi and the two honeys, uh, the honey and coke up, or Sarit Packer and uh, Itamas Rulovich, because they are brilliant fun. Any of them could do the cooking as long as it's not me, and the food would be amazing. <laughs> great answers what we'll do is we'll link to, i'm sure everyone's heard about lengi we'll link to um his stuff as well but we'll also link to honey and co i don't know how are they well known outside of the uk are they known in america um they they, they have done they, they do sell books quite well in america um yeah i mean i, do, I they have different yeah. titles for their books but no they're they, they they would i think they may even now be doing a book tour 
Well, we'll we'll but link to that. Now you, you can travel again with their we'll latest book. books. Yeah. They have some yeah. fabulous restaurants in London, as does Otterlingo. And they're the funniest couple. They're so much fun. Like, I went to their house for dinner and we were dancing. They did a special dance. Little Rose, he's, he's always doing a dance. You know, he's great. And they, you know, they're. A good example of a married couple who work together in a very small kitchen. It was a bigger now; they've got a bigger restaurant, but they, they, you know, they're still holding hands and laughing every day. And it's, you know, they're 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 a real positive force, I'd say. Well, you're my first guest who answered that question with three people who are alive. You didn't want to bring back anyone, which is great. So it could theoretically happen. You never know. We want to hear all about it. I have so actually had, I may have had dinner with all three of them, but anyway. <laughs> well, Felicity, it's been so much fun. We might have to do a part two at some point because I just so enjoyed this. Could chat to you all day. And I'm sure everyone listening. We should do a cook. We should do a, We should cook together and record that. That would be yes, fun. Yes, that would be fun. Or maybe an Instagram live together or we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll chat yeah. we'll, we'll 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 discuss it off air so thank you for coming on the podcast today and see you soon well, thank you so much for having me yeah yeah let's meet up in real life and have some cake <laughs> we'll do it if this episode inspired you in some way i'd love you to take a screenshot of you listening on your device and post it to your instagram stories and tag me at your jewish life I'd love to connect with you on Instagram and be your Instagram friend. That'd be fun. And I'd also love you to subscribe and share the episode with anyone you know who might benefit from it. I'd love you to leave a review as well. All these ways make sure that more people get to listen to the podcast and get inspired to live their Jewish life their way and we can spread the Jewish joy. So that would be a lovely mitzvah if you wanted to leave a review or share this episode with a friend or subscribe. One more thing I wanted tell you about just before I go today is I've got a really great handy checklist for you if you are trying to build a Jewish home or you've got a home and you want to make it more Jewish or you just want to feel more Jewish at home and it is a free checklist for everything you need in a modern Jewish home literally covering everything you need to set up your modern Jewish home if you've got a lot of these things it's just a great reminder there's links to everything you need as well so it's it's really handy in that way too and there's checklists for Rosh Hashanah, Shabbat, Hanukkah, Passover, and lots of minor Jewish holidays as well, and all sorts of fun ideas for the items too. So just head to yourjewishlife.co slash Jewish home if you want to grab that checklist. That's yourjewishlife.co, that's .co slash Jewish home, all one word. And the checklist is for you, whether you're Jewish, Jewish, or becoming Jewish. Let me know what you think. Drop me a line on Instagram and have a great day.